It's time to get down to business on the weekend's number one business program. Known as the king of networking, your host, Shalom Klein, has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs and created countless jobs. So, to success, let's get down to business. And indeed, we're all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship and business. We talk a lot about business here. You're on with Get Down to Business, and I'm your host, Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts from Get Down to Business on my website at ShalomKlein.com. And while you are there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Shalom Klein. It's going to be a jam-packed week of content and information you will not want to miss. So let's jump right in. I'm so excited to be joined by Arthur Woods. And Arthur is a social entrepreneur and LGBTQ plus advocate working at the intersection of equity inclusion, and technology. On top of all that, he's an Amazon national best-selling author of the book, Hiring for Diversity, and the co-founder of Matheson, a venture-backed technology platform, equipping employers with everything they need to manage their diversity hiring efforts. We're going to talk all about it. Arthur was named to uh, Forbes 30 Under 30 and 40 Under 40, 40 Under 40. Lots of great lists over there, lots of accolades. Arthur Woods, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So, you know, we're airing this episode on June 19th, on Juneteenth, um, in Pride Month, and certainly uh, diversity, uh, equity, inclusion uh, are all things uh, top of mind right now. And technology is something that's always top of mind in this program. Um, you know, again, all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. So I'd love to get to know the person behind the microphone, the, uh, the social entrepreneur, the advocate. How did you become so passionate about this work? Sure, Shalon. Well, you know, a couple things. I, I grew up in a rural town in Northern California, single parent family. Uh, it was a very conservative community. And I discovered that I was uh, gay halfway through college. And I never felt like I fit in. Um, I, you know, I, I, I entered my very first corporate job. And when I overheard um, one of the interviewers use a homophobic slur, um, it caused me to think, wow, I, I must be a different person at work than I am at home. And for years, that's the way that I operated. Work was a place that I conformed to be a professional. I could be my full identity, my full, my full authentic self outside of work. And the more that I thought about that, and I realized that we, we truly these days are spending the majority of our waking lives in our occupations and what we do. And not only should our, our organizations reflect uh, you know, the values of, of what we stand for, but our organizations really ought to be places where people feel celebrated for their identities. And so that really led me to um, a whole new career path of, of starting um, you know, LGBTQ-focused organizations, um, getting into HR technology, um, realizing that we, we, we can create inclusive equitable workplaces um, through technology these days. To your point, you know, technology is, is really a, a, a potential conduit for this work. So that's really, Shalom, what, what's gotten me into this work um, and kept me on this journey uh, all along. That is fantastic. Thank you for sharing your passion, your inspiration, which is uh, truly inspiring. Uh, I'm grateful for it. So uh, I do want to mention again the book uh, that you wrote, uh, Hiring for Diversity. I love that title. Um, which is great. So how can companies reduce bias in hiring? Yes. Well, you know, uh, as you said earlier, diversity, equity, inclusion has gone from what felt like maybe uh, an elective 
you know, elective procedure or a nice to have to really an essential uh, imperative um, more than ever this last two years. And one of the things that's been holding the work back that we discovered in our research and our work was that um, we, we look at the hiring process and the number of decisions that are made every day in the hiring process. And it's um, it's really sort of riddled with bias because we usually are operating in a very quick pace. We're typically operating in an unstructured and Im Im improv way. <laughs> and we introduce so much risk of bias by making gut decisions that are typically very subjective. So the best way that organizations can reduce that bias is by slowing down, by investing in a structured process that's consistent for all candidates, and by training every single person that touches the hiring process, whether it's a recruiter or it's a frontline manager, um, in unconscious bias and how to take a more equitable and, and structured approach. So we've actually built technology that helps organizations reduce bias at every stage of the process from how they write job descriptions to how they interview and how they screen candidates in a, in a more equitable way. Um, the best thing that we can do though, is to slow down and really sort of educate our teams on the need. That's, that's fantastic. So definitely, uh, again, looking at that. And so I, you, you deal with a lot of companies. Um, you've, again, with all those accolades, you've, you've worked with a lot of businesses um, across the country and probably around the world. What are some of the biggest problems that you're seeing in most companies' diversity hiring efforts? Well, you know, one of the biggest issues is that uh, companies have um, oftentimes a very narrow definition of diversity itself. And we found in a recent analysis that the vast majority of companies not only define diversity in a narrow way, but they don't even give a whole cross-section of underrepresented job-seeking communities the ability to self-identify um, and even acknowledge their existence in the hiring process. So we have really shared with companies, the best thing that we can do right now is educate our teams on um, a holistic definition of diversity that spans you know, everything from the, the disability community, the LGBTQ community, the refugee and immigrant community, many communities that aren't typically on the radar every day, and actually give job seekers the ability to anonymously and safely identify that they themselves are in these communities. Um, and that opens up a whole new uh, opportunity to build a more safe and inclusive and equitable experience for communities and to understand where are communities, you know, dropping out of our process when, when we look at um, how we hire today. Absolutely. So I want to change gears for just a moment and I want to talk a little bit about entrepreneurship. I know that you launched a uh, technology company called Matheson. Can you tell us a little bit about it? And, um, you know, whenever we talk about small businesses, I love to just be honest, open, talking about some of the trials and tribulations along the way, because so often we, you know, it, it's, it, you know, you're the CEO, you're in charge. It's great. It's all, it's all rainbows and butterflies, but until it's not, until you experience right. some of those challenges. And we want to certainly always educate our listeners about some of those, some of those occurrences. So tell us you know, about the company and tell us what that experience has been. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you that, and I know, I know you speak to so many entrepreneurs. Um, it's, it's, such a double-edged sword, and uh, I would say that the greatest blessing, and sometimes it feels like the greatest curse, um, there's nothing more exhilarating than starting your own, you know, bringing your own idea to life because you're solving a problem, hopefully, that the world needs, and it's, it's, it's a true expression of your values in what you're creating every day. But the nature of doing something new, of bringing something new to life means you're, you're entering uncharted territory, right? Um, you're, you're following a path that potentially no one is, has, has been on yet, and by the nature of that, uh, you, you'll, you'll likely face challenges. And so 
Um, I'll tell you that it, it, this journey for me has been um, so rewarding, um, especially, you know, I think thinking about how we make an impact, right? How we, how we have a social mission that we are trying to live and, and practice every single day. Um, but without a doubt, there are challenges. There, there, this, this space, you know, the, the diversity, equity, inclusion technology space is extremely nascent and emerging. It's misunderstood by many um, employers that we sell to every day. Um, there are times where we still enter conversations where the conver you know, where, where the topic feels optional and elective. We're entering potentially a, a recession and down economy. It'll be really interesting to see how many employers see DEI as as their foundational necessity, and how many potentially see it as an elective procedure still, right? Um, so we're, you know, I would say that there certainly have been challenges. I try to just stick back to the core why. Why did I get into this work? What what sort of impact do I want to make? And I have to say, and I know you probably hear this all the time from folks you interview, the best part about entrepreneurship is you get to um, have a say in the people that you work with. And um, the, the way that I've addressed most challenges I've faced is surrounding myself with incredible people. And that's awesome. That's great advice um, right there. Great advice around yourself with incredible people and be very strategic about you know, about surrounding yourself with mentors, friends. You do need friends in the process in order to yes. succeed in business. And uh, and it doesn't need to be all uh, all hard work. You can have a good time while doing it, but usually it's a good work hard, play hard sort of philosophy. So again, I'm chatting with, uh, with uh, Arthur Woods, uh, who is a social entrepreneur, LGBTQ plus advocate. Again, as we've been saying, working that intersection of equity, inclusion, and technology. He is the author of Hiring for Diversity and co-founder of Matheson. We were just talking a little bit about the uh, small business journey as well. We're going to have to squeeze in a break in just a minute. But Arthur, before we uh, cut to that break, can you share your website and contact information? Yes. So folks can learn about Matheson, our, our DEI technology platform at Matheson, N-A-T-H-I-S-O-N.io. And about our book, Hiring for Diversity at HiringForDiversity.com. Awesome. Well, again, we're going to be continuing our conversation with Arthur Woods in just a moment. We're going to continue talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, certainly important topics on any week, but certainly very, very uh, uh, highlighted um, right now. And it's, uh, it's our pleasure to, uh, to, to have Arthur on the program. Uh, but a, uh, a shout out for our amazing friends and supporters of the program. And it's Tom Mirabali from HealthPlanChicago.com, HealthPlanChicago.com for all of your information on the Affordable Care Act health insurance needs, check out his website, healthplanchicago.com. He responds to emails quite literally within uh, within a few hours, and he's always available for your personal needs, small business needs. You definitely wouldn't get in touch and mention that you heard about his services and get down to business. Again, a quick break. More conversation, diversity, equity, and inclusion when we return in just a moment and get down to business. Hey, welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Check out my website, ShalomKlein.com. Follow me on Twitter, at ShalomKlein. Lots of information, content, relevant, and timely. And that's exactly what this conversation is. I'm continuing our chat on the program with Arthur Woods, social entrepreneur um, and the author of Hiring for Diversity and the co-founder of Matheson. Um, Arthur, you know, we talked in the beginning of our, uh, of our segment together a little bit about your background, but you are very modest, very humble because you have worked with some very, very large companies, uh, some of which uh, rhyme with Oogle, and uh, <laughs> have, uh, have worked on some very interesting projects. Can you tell us a little bit about how those experiences shaped you into the uh, passionate advocate that you are today? 
Sure. Well, you know, I, I think that one one you know piece of advice I always give to entrepreneurs, um, you know, who who oftentimes feel that they'll be life entrepreneurs is the more that we can diversify our experiences, you know, do work in the corporate world, do work in the nonprofit world, uh, you know, try if you have the opportunity to enter the public sector in some capacity, um, because you can apply this entrepreneurial spirit really in any in any industry, in any function. Right. So. Uh, I was blessed early in my career to to have a stint at Google. Um, it was in the early days. Google had acquired uh, YouTube, and I was in the uh, early days of helping uh, build YouTube's education division. Um, and so it was almost a startup within YouTube. But our mission was to help democratize YouTube's educational content, so anyone around the world could learn anything. And I have to tell you, it, it was a, it was a wonderful experience, partly because I I had a chance to. Um, see this this sort of critical role that um, that learning can play, um, uh, you know, it, through technology, and that largely has has inspired a lot of what we've been able to do with the companies that I've started. Awesome. So great, uh, great background over there. So uh, as you have uh, continued your journey and passion in this uh, diversity hiring efforts, um, you have learned some things along the way. Um, you were the creator of the first Equal Hiring Index to assess and benchmark inclusive hiring practices. How did that come to be, and why does it matter to our small business listeners? Yeah, so one of the things that we found in our work uh, early on was that employers are oftentimes anchoring to only one metric, and that is the metric of, do I see what appear to be underrepresented or diverse faces in the room? But uh, as we stepped back, we realized, you know, employers, in order to achieve a, a greater diverse representation on their teams, they have to create equitable systems and they have to create inclusive cultures where people thrive and advance and actually feel a sense of belonging. And we found that most employers were really poorly equipped to gauge, you know, the, the state of their organizations through the equity and, and inclusion lens. So we created a framework, an assessment system that we call our uh, equity index, and it uh, enables employers to actually gauge the accessibility, um, the, the current, uh, you know, consistency and uh, basically inclusive nature of their existing talent processes and systems. So it gives them this sort of equity scorecard and it's given employers the ability to really quickly uh, and efficiently assess their gaps. And figure out, you know, if we really are trying to create an equitable experience for every candidate that we hire and employee that we, we, we bring into the organization, how can we do that quickly? And so it's given employers this really great uh, um, analytics software. Definitely. And, you know, it's all about, as you said, surrounding yourself with good people when it's in business, but also surrounding yourself and learning from other uh, companies' uh, best practices, tools. Some of them are free. Some of them are going to, be, some of them are going to cost. But what are some of those helpful tools, uh, free and paid, uh, and strategies that HR teams can use to make better hiring decisions? Well, the first thing we, we talk about is the fact that uh, one of the most critical functions um, for, for building an equitable, inclusive workplace um, that, that most impacts DEI is having, the, having a channel for your team members to get feedback. And uh, ideally, that's anonymous. Um, but we, we highly recommend if, an, if, if, if a company isn't already doing it, have some consistent way of surveying and polling their team and collecting this feedback and making that something that's outside of just the performance cycle, because oftentimes that's the only place, the only time we hear from someone. And it's the time that they're getting promoted or they're potentially getting a raise, right, or not. 
Um, so we really want to create an active conversation with our teams throughout the year that's giving people a safe mechanism to share their input and their insights. Um, you know, from there, we highly recommend that employers think about ways that they're um, just investing in the, in the leadership development uh, of their of their teams and specifically their frontline managers. There is, um, you know, the, the, the role of a manager has become so much more complex managing remote uh, teams, many of whom have never met each other in person. And we oftentimes find that leadership development, especially for early stage companies, is skipped. Um, for these frontline managers who sometimes are, it's their first time managing teams and especially managing in this complex environment. So we highly recommend that folks uh, utilize um, any kind of leadership development or manager development experiences for their teams early on in their journey. That's great. And that's some good uh, tips again for big companies, small companies. Um, but I know that the pain point for uh, small businesses, for entrepreneurs is real. And so that's some really, really good advice. But going back to you know your area of passion, area of focus over at Matheson, uh, I know you're constantly working and advocating to, for HR teams to uh, to have the tools so they can be less biased when we're talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And again, I know you you are right there at that intersection with technology. Right. So how can our small business owners and that might have a small team, maybe they've got their one HR person, how can yes. that HR team improve their job descriptions to be less biased? Mm, it's a great question. Well, the, the, the first thing I would just say is that, you know, we talk to so many small business owners, so many early stage entrepreneurs who feel they're, they're, they're at this dilemma as though they have to choose between, do I build an equitable, diverse business or do I not? You know, and, and, and the, the real question is, do I have the time and do I have the actual financial capital to do this? And we always say it only gets harder the more that you grow. So taking these, these intentional measures early on and, and embedding this work into your DNA makes it so it's really, it's really embedded and sustainable as, as you do grow. So one of the first things that we can do as we're, as we're thinking about our job descriptions and our, and our role requirements is to think about the fact that we, we typically, you know, when we're first scoping a job, one of the first things that we typically do as small business owners is we go and try to find a template of that job description because we try to be efficient. We try to not have to reinvent the wheel. And so we'll go Google the job description, we'll look at it quickly, and then we'll just throw it in there. And most of the time, the templates that we find online have exorbitant credentials and requirements, many of which actually restrict our pool of potential underrepresented candidates to something very homogenous. So many folks still require you know, advanced degrees, um, specific industry experience, and they don't acknowledge that you know, an underrepresented job seeker might have all the right transferable skills but might not show up with the same credentials uh, as, as you know, someone else. So we tell entrepreneurs and small business owners, you know, take the time to think about what is absolutely essential for this role and cut out the, the non-essential requirements, the preferred qualifications. Because the more that you do that, you're actually casting a wider net. Um, we recommend, you know, we have, we have a bias scanner for job descriptions that you know, enables you to analyze your text for exclusionary terms. We really recommend trying to, you know, think about, you know, the most neutral, um, simple, accessible language. You know, stay away from gender-coded terms like aggressively, and um, and think about the the language that we're using that might be off-putting for some job seekers. If you have a term, an acronym that you use internal to the organization that, you know, a job seeker outside of the industry might not know right away, clarify it. Right. The more that we're making our our language accessible, it's it's actually enabling other folks to apply.
That's great advice right there. Again, I'm chatting with Arthur Woods, um, who is the best-selling author of Hiring for Diversity. So, Arthur, I have to ask, as we come to a conclusion in our conversation, um, you know, you're a man of action. I could tell that already, um, you know, whether it's in business, your your advocacy. Uh, writing a book is a lot of work. It requires a lot of research. And this book is a really good one. So why did you spend all that time writing a full book on diversity hiring? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it, it, part of it came out of the pandemic. Um, we, we, you know, we realized that, wow, we have uh, a lot of leisure time that, that's going un, 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 you know, un, unallocated uh, now that we're not seeing people in person. So it was a pandemic project. But honestly, I, I found myself repeating a lot of the same emails and Google Docs and articles to people. And at the point that I, I was asked probably, you know, the same 20 questions uh, across the period of, of a month, I said, this this has reached the critical point of needing a book, you know, to help folks navigate what is a very complex and challenging body of work. Um, and, it, you know, it's given us the ability to, to put it all into one place. Well, let's get people over to uh, purchase the book and uh, get in touch with you and your team at Matheson. How can people reach you, Arthur? Yes. So you can uh, follow me uh, on LinkedIn at Arthur Woods. Um, again, you can reach us at uh, matheson.io, um, M-A-T-H-I-S-O-N.io, and um, hiringfordiversity.com. And we have ongoing events and free resources on our website that folks can download and access to really advance this work. Awesome. Well, Arthur Woods, I really have enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, I look forward to, uh, to having you back on real soon. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. We'll be right back on the show. All about small business jobs and entrepreneurship after this, these quick headlines. Hey, welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Some fantastic conversations already and continuing our conversation later on in the program. Again, all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Get on your favorite podcast app because that's where you can actually subscribe, rate, review, and share. Um, you can hear so many great segments that we push out um, all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. But you know what? I looked at the calendar and I realized that we're almost at the end of June 2022. You know what that means? The year is officially halfway over. Can you believe it? Life has changed since last year. Yes, it's constantly evolving. It's constantly changing. Businesses certainly are opening up more now than ever. People are walking around without masks. You might even be planning a vacation. I do hope that you're able to take a break and enjoy the summer. But before you do that, though, why not take the time to do some mid-year business cleanup? I'm a huge proponent of tackling projects in small chunks. But unfortunately, too many business owners wait until the end of the year to clean up different aspects of their business. By that point, it's an enormous, overwhelming task. If you knock off some of those tasks now, you'll thank yourself down the road. So I wanted to share a quick checklist for you. Remember, progress and not perfection. That's right. Before we get started, let's think about the purpose of this review. It's not to shame or overwhelm you. It's simply to create some awareness of your business, evaluate its performance, and allow you to take corrective action while there's still time to change things. A lot of business success boils small habits repeated over time. You need to focus on the habits that bring you closer to your goals and let go of those habits that no longer serve you. Remember, progress, not perfection. Go to a quiet place and check in on how you're feeling. Paradoxically, the first action item is actually a break in the action. 
You'll need to slow down, get to a place where you won't be disturbed, and check in on how you're feeling about the business. This process shouldn't be a haphazard random day. Instead, block off one day or a few if you can. Go to a quiet place for your review. Some business owners go off-site for something like this. Once you're in that quiet place, ask yourself, how are you feeling about your business? For example, are you living up to your company's purpose and vision? Are you accomplishing your goals? Are you working the number of hours you wanted to work? Are you feeling overwhelmed or anxious about the future of the business? You know, I read something interesting. The father of financial life planning, George Kinder of the Kinder Institute of Life Planning, he wrote that he believes emotions alert us to what we need to change, give us the energy to make that change. They can propel us to take action even when logical minds can't. So don't fight your emotions. Let them drive you towards a plan for making your life different. You want to set goals for yourself, but start by thinking about your successes and challenges. Celebrating your success can help you appreciate your progress and may provide insight into what's working. For example, were you able to get your ideal clients? Did you feel satisfied and fulfilled in the work that you're doing? All of those things are absolutely critically important. You need to make sure, are you earning enough revenue? Too many clients that aren't a good fit? Are you not growing as fast as you'd like? I love the advice of a Carl Richards, a certified financial planner and the creator of the Sketch Guy column in the New York Times. He says, goals are just guesses. You can't predict and in many cases control where you'll be 10 years from now or what the world will look like. So instead of thinking that things need to be perfect or that you can't change your mind, pick a direction and take the next right step. What are the current barriers or obstacles getting in your way? What steps can I take to start going in the right direction? Cash flow? It's the lifeblood of your business. Yet so many companies act in a way that will somehow take care of itself as long as you have enough revenue coming in. You may even leave it to your accountant to tell us how you're doing. And while assessing your revenue and client pipeline is essential, conquering cash flow takes some thought and intentional systems. The system that I like for myself, it's called the Profit First System. And rather than reading and using profit and loss statements, most entrepreneurs resort to bank account balancing, where we check our bank balance and make decisions based on where we are. This system focuses on leveraging that habit rather than trying to change it. This system works by allocating money into five different buckets, income, profit, owner's comp, tax, and operating expenses. You want to look at, again, how are you doing? Look at your tax payments and conduct an expense analysis to, again, see what's working for you and what is potentially an area for, for improvement. Let's talk about expenses for a brief moment. When you're reviewing your buckets and your profit and loss, it could be a good time to do an expense analysis. If you find yourself in a cash flow bind, you have two ways of remedying that, increasing sales or cutting expenses. And of those two, cutting costs are usually quicker. So usually, I found that businesses can cut 10 to 20% of expense oversight, such as frivolous costs like unused recurring membership fees, office space that impresses no one, or that expensive card that's justified because it's an expense. To complete that expense review, print out two things. Your expenses for the last six months, any recurring expenses, rent, subscriptions, internet access, training, classes, magazines, and so on. And write it down. When you're looking at the expenses, when you're looking at all the things that we've just talked about in your mid-year review, think about what is it that I can do about the obstacle I'm facing? What am I going to do about it? When am I going to do it? Who can keep me accountable and how do I feel about it? Again, reminder that at this point, we're in the middle of the year. This is the time to start thinking about all of these actions and start to make changes that will set you in the right path for success during the remainder of 2022 and wrap up your year in a successful and profitable manner. That's what we want. I share all these tips, advice, information on my website, shalomkline.com. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at shalomkline. And as mentioned, be sure to subscribe to our podcasts, whether it's uh, Apple Podcasts, 
Google Podcasts, wherever you go. But make sure you leave a rating and a review. Makes it so much easier for people to find the past eight plus years of shows. We're going to continue our conversation with Ted Clark after this very quick break on Get Down to Business. While you're on the web, be sure to check out our good friend Tom Mirabali from HealthPlanChicago.com. He is the health insurance guru. Truly everything you need to know about the Affordable Care Act and uh, health insurance for your family, for your small business. Definitely get in touch with him. Uh, healthplanchicago.com. He's got a chat feature on his website. You can send him an email, and I promise you he will get in touch very, very quickly. That's a wrap for us here. Um, we're going to come back in just a moment, so don't touch that dial. You're listening to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business, jobs, and entrepreneurship. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. I'm thrilled to be joined by Ted Clark, businessman, entrepreneur, and investor with more than 40 years of experience as a senior executive in both public and private equity-owned specialty chemical companies. He now consults with business managers and acquisitions and growth strategies using private equity capital. He has a new book. It's called Shipping Clerk CEO, The Power of Curiosity, Will, and Self-Directed Learning, which just came out. I'm thrilled to be joined again by Ted Clark. Ted, welcome to the program. Uh, Thanks, Sean. Great to be here. It's great to have you. So with that title, Shipping Clerk to CEO, let's start with the beginning of that, uh, of that story. 40 plus years ago, uh, that's indeed what you were, an entry-level shipping clerk. I'm curious to hear about the background, how it led to your rise as CEO. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Yeah. No, I, um, well, I started as, uh, as, as a shipping clerk. Um, as a 19-year-old, 19, 19 I was just looking for a job. Um, no expectation of a career at that point. Um, but, uh, you know, I found that uh, when I started doing the work, it was interesting, and um, I just wanted to learn more. And, uh, you know, the book's really about sort of, you know, finding and building, you know, networks and, and mentors, uh, particularly when you don't have – I didn't have a college education, so it was uh, really starting at the bottom. And, and really everything I learned about business, I learned at the business that I was working at. Um, and then also with, with uh, you know, I referenced self-directed learning. Uh, you know, I spent a lot of time, you know, once I got interested in something, sort of teaching it to myself one way or the other, uh, you know, to in, in, in a way just to get to the next step, right, just to get to the next opportunity. Um, again, I had no idea uh, that 22 years later I'd be the CEO of the, of the same company that I started as, as a shipping clerk. Um, and the book's really about that that journey taken in steps. That's amazing. So again, the book is called Shipping Clerk CEO, The Power of Curiosity, Will, and Self-Directed Learning. So I've got a lot of questions for you um, because as we know, career success doesn't always depend on prior experience, college degree, or inside connections. Um, Again, it's quite a bit of background and uh, quite a rise from an entry-level position to the CEO of Product Research and Chemical Corporation known as PRC. For short, so if you don't mind, let's talk a little bit about vision, strategy, and tactics that you've used. Why do those things, vision, strategy, and tactics, um, why should it be used at any level to drive success? Yeah, so, um, you know, uh, you know, when I started reflecting on, on how I did it, right, so that one of the reasons I wrote the book is, is that a lot of people say, well, how did you, you know, how did you actually do that, right? Um, and one of the things that, uh, uh, you know, that uh, is pretty clear at every step of the way is that 
Um, at each job, I would get good at it. I, I, I'd get the sort of the table stakes worked out, you know, how to be competent at what it was I was supposed to be doing. But then I always began to sort of uh, envision, um, you know, making the work more interesting for myself initially. I wanted to, you know, I just wanted to make it a, a less boring job as an example early on. Um, and then find ways to improve things, right? So this, it, it sort of began with this idea of envisioning how the job could be different um, and then, and then beginning to develop some, you know, internal objectives of what I wanted to try and accomplish. Um, and then sort of developing a strategy, how to get there, how to do it. Uh, and then, and then certain tactics to be able to, to execute on that vision. Right. So, 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 so the way I think about it is, you know, I took these steps in bites, right? So I would get, you know, for instance, I was a shipping clerk job, uh, made an impression on the people in customer service. I was invited to go to customer service, uh, promoted into that job, and then I started to figure out like how I could make that job better, right? So at each step of the way, I tried to envision how I could improve things, set objectives so that I could I could judge for myself whether I was getting there or not, and then developing sort of strategy and tactics. And when I when I talk to people now that I mentor, it's like you know you should you can think like a CEO at any level in any job. Um, as, as, as long as you think about, you know, vision, objective, strategy, and tactics. Absolutely, absolutely. But, you know, it's one thing to talk about those tactics, but certainly when you are that underdog, and I, I mean, I mean this with all due respect, as a entry-level shipping clerk, um, the, way, the way you started, you know, it's challenging to have that confidence to really work your way, uh, work your way uh, up certainly all the way to CEO. Not everybody will do that. Um, to manage people that are older than you. What are some of the practical tips that, that you've experienced along the way? And I'm sure it's come with some challenges and maybe some mistakes along the way. But how can an underdog succeed? Yeah, well, I think the first thing is, you know, you, 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 you have to really be doing it to, to improve the company, right? So you have to, you have to really think about you know, your objectives being to improve the work that you're doing so people recognize you, right? So that's that's sort of what I always try to, to talk to people about is, you know, don't think about yourself. Think about what you're trying to do, how you're trying to improve it. Think about the relationships you're making. Um, and and if you're really working hard and you're and you're showing some initiative, people will forgive you for mistakes, right? So 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 it's just sort of a positive intent kind of approach, right? Where if you have a positive intent uh, and you're doing good work, you're communicating with people so that they, they don't think you're sort of a complete rogue person, um, you know, I've found that, you know, you build trust that way and people will give you the opportunity to do things and, and you'll get more forgiveness if you, if you make a mistake. And, and also, you know, many times you'll not just get forgiveness, but you'll get coaching, right? So and that's really what you're looking for. You want to have people help coach you to become a better and better, you know, uh, uh, employee. Absolutely, absolutely. So again, I'm chatting with Ted Clark, the author of Shipping Clerk to CEO, The Power of Curiosity, Will, and Self-Directed Learning. Uh, Ted certainly has uh, has quite a story in uh, starting as an entry-level shipping clerk to his rise at 42 years old CEO. And um, and certainly it's a fascinating story. I know you can learn more at shippingclerktoceo.com. But on that note, we have to squeeze in a very quick break here on the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. When we return, we're going to continue our conversation, talk a little bit about the importance of sales in every position. We're going to talk about that level of confidence and actually talking about power walking a little bit too. You're listening to Get Down to Business. You don't want to touch the dial. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. You can get on my website, shalomkline.com. That's where you can download the podcasts of the past eight plus years. With some fascinating conversations with hundreds of entrepreneurs like our guest right now, Ted Clark, who has written the book, Shipping Clerk, CEO, The Power of Curiosity, Will, and Self-Directed Learning, came out just in March of this year, and it chronicles his journey from an inexperienced high school graduate starting as an entry-level shipping clerk to his rise at 42 years old to CEO, and some of the things that he's learned along the way. Ted, welcome back. Great. It's great to have you. So, um, you know, I know something that you talk about frequently in your book is how we are all salesmen. Kind of hard to imagine for the for that IT person that's sitting in the uh, in the uh, downstairs cubicle um, how how he's in sales and how he needs to use that to his advantage. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, and it's and, and also in this day and age, it's probably most important for the IT person to to be a good salesperson. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, if you think about it, I was trained uh, I was trained in sales uh, uh, through a. a an approach called need satisfaction selling, right? So it's really, it's really about, you know, more about listening than talking, right? So you're spending time with potential customers or internally with, with uh, stakeholders that you're working with, trying to understand what they're trying to accomplish and then trying to figure out, you know, how you can, how you can help, uh, help them accomplish their goals, right? So this sort of need satisfaction approach to selling is, is sometimes called consultative consultative selling, um, but I've used it. I've used it uh, once. I learned how to do it, it. It opened something in my mind, and I think it's one of the major reasons why I was able to accomplish what I did, um, because it kind of reinforces this idea of you know networking, um, you know listening, um, you know being out there trying to understand what what what's required, um, you know, to improve the business or to help somebody else improve their part of the business um, and, and, and being able to influence things, right? So if you're the IT guy and you're trying to digitize your, your company, it's important for you to be able to really understand what your company's goals and objectives are. And then how do you apply you know, uh, good IT uh, approaches to that? And then how do you sell it, right? Because you know uh, everybody competes for everybody else's time, right? And so having, uh, an influential way to get people to buy into your ideas. It just, it requires good selling skills and, 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 and selling is in my view, you know, you're one of the most noble things you can do, right? Because it's how you change things, not just leave things. It's sort of the status quo, right? Sure. Um, Absolutely. So, and in our, yeah. our remaining minute over here, I am curious, you talk about the power walk in your book. And again, people can uh, interpret that as they wish, but you talk about how a power walk can actually revolutionize your work presence. That, mean, that I, I equate not just for employees, but also for business owners as well. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so, um, you know, it's all about connections, right? So I think, I think sometimes in the kind of modern business world, you know, where, you know, everybody's on the computer, um, you know, you're, you're kind of communicating in that, in that way. Um, and and it's, it's different to get out and walk and talk and see people in their work environments and, spend a few minutes talking to them about what, what their challenges are and what they're doing. And then also in my case, when I was, I was, I was doing it initially, it was really to, to uh, you know, find out information, right? So, you know, get out to the source where the information is, find it, and then, you know, use it. Um, and so, you know, being out there, being seen, um, you know, connecting with people, 
Uh, it's just important uh, in my uh, my opinion today as it was, you know, you know, 40, 45 some odd years ago when I started as a, as a, mm-hmm. as a shipping clerk. That's great. That's great. Well, we're running out of time, Ted, and I want to make sure our listeners know how they can get in touch with you and pick up a copy of your book. Can you share your website one more time? Sure. Um, they can uh, go to www.tedclarkauthor.com or they can go to www.shippingclerktoceo.com. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the author page has, um, you know, lots of articles and other information, a lot of stuff awesome. on mentoring. Um, so, yeah, I appreciate I that. I encourage all of our listeners to check it out, tedclarkauthor.com, shippingclerktoceo.com. Thank you so much, Ted Clark. That's a wrap for us here and Get Down to Business to Success. We'll talk to you next Sunday at 6 p.m. right here on 8560 The Answer. 